Hello, I'm Roger Thomas. Welcome to Everyone Can Love Classical Music, a series of podcasts in which we hope to persuade more people to listen to classical music by making it less elitist, less snobbish, and easy to listen to. Today's podcast is for children. I'm going to present 20 pieces of classical music which I think will appeal to children of all ages. I'm not using music that was specifically written for children. That's condescending. Rather, you will listen to grown-up classical music. Now, almost all the classical music pieces I'm going to present today tell a story, which I think will make it easier for children to relate to this music. Now, many composers wrote works which describe an event, a scene, a story, an animal, etc. Let's listen to a few of these. First up is Danse Macabre, written by the French composer Camille Saint-Saëns. When I listen to this music, I have a mental picture of a big house. It's Halloween, it's late at night, everyone's gone to bed, the house is very quiet. And then suddenly, a number of ghosts slink out of their hiding places and start dancing madly around the house. Eventually, they finish dancing and slowly and sadly go back into their hiding places. Let's listen to it. Rimsky-Korsakov was a Russian composer. We're going to listen to his composition, The Flight of the Bumblebee. You can easily visualize a bee busily flying from flower to flower, or perhaps a silly bumblebee that's got trapped inside a house and is frantically trying to find a way out but keeps bashing his head against the window pane. Thank you. 
Ray Fawn Williams was a wonderful English composer of classical music. His most famous work is perhaps The Lark Ascending. This is often voted the UK's favourite piece of classical music. For me, the music tells of a lovely summer's evening, a beautiful meadow with wild flowers, and then a lark starts to fly and slowly and lazily ascends into the sky. Gustav Holtz was also an English composer, despite his foreign-sounding name. His most famous work is based on the planets. Here's his interpretation of Mars, which he called the bringer of war. I'm sure you'll have some powerful images when you listen to this great music. For me, it's all guns and cannons and bombs and explosions.
That's dark, serious music, but Holst, in the same work, composed some beautiful, cheerful, uplifting music. Let's listen to Jupiter, the bringer of jollity. Many people think that lovely tune should be our national anthem rather than God Save the Queen, which is a pretty boring tune. Camille Sanson, whose dance macabre we heard earlier, also wrote a very famous piece of work called The Carnival of the Animals. Let's listen to his musical depiction of two of the animals. Firstly, the swan.
And now, the fossils. Composers often write classical music to celebrate special occasions. The Russian composer Tchaikovsky wrote his 1812 overture to commemorate the successful Russian defence against Napoleon's invading Grand Armée in 1812. It's usually played with cannons and fireworks and is very loud, as you will now hear. obviously loud music, but much classical music is quiet and peaceful. When you've been particularly bad and you've driven your mum and dad crazy and they've packed you off to bed, they can sit down, put their feet up and chill out to music like this.
That was the Moonlight Sonata, written by Ludwig van Beethoven. He was a wonderful composer. Many regard him as the best ever. He wrote the Moonlight Sonata when he was in his thirties. Amazing, really, because when he was about twenty-five, he became totally deaf. But despite this, he went on to compose wonderful classical music. Here's another peaceful piece of classical music. It's the Concerto for Two Violins, written by Johann Sebastian Bach in 1730, almost 300 years ago. Bach composed a vast range of classical music. He was also famous by having 20 children. One of the best-known forms of classical music is the symphony, a large-scale work performed by a full orchestra, which can number over 120 players. Probably the best-known symphony is the Fifth Symphony of Beethoven. Here's how it begins. A symphony normally comprises three or four separate movements, 
one of which is normally quick. Here's the exciting third movement of Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony. It was the last piece of music he ever wrote. Another popular type of classical music is the concerto. This involves a soloist playing alongside a full orchestra. Concertos can be for the piano, violin, cello, clarinet, flute, etc. The most famous piano concerto is probably that of Tchaikovsky. Here's the opening movement.
Mendelssohn's violin concerto is one of the best ever written. Here's how it begins. My favourite violin concerto was written by Brahms. He was something of a rogue, and he actually started playing piano at a very early age. When he was ten, he was playing piano in a nightclub. Here's the gorgeous slow movement from Brahms's violin concerto. Many composers, including Bach, Brahms and Beethoven, were child prodigies. 
able to play an instrument and to compose music at a very early age. The best known is Mozart. By the time he was six, he was an outstanding pianist, and his father took him and his sister all over Europe to play before kings, queens, emperors and other notables. He came to London and played for King George. He was composing symphonies, concertos and operas before he was even 11 years old. Let's listen to his famous horn concerto. are another form of classical music and in ballets people dance to wonderful music. The most famous ballet is Swan Lake written by Tchaikovsky. In the ballet a young prince called Siegfried falls in love with the beautiful Princess Odette. Here's lovely music when Siegfried meets Odette for the first time.
for the evil robot who wants Siegfried to marry his own daughter turns Odette into a swan. And then the cruel robot tricks Siegfried into falling in love with his own daughter, Odile. Too late, Siegfried realises his mistake. The following music describes the final scene of Swan Lake, when Siegfried follows Odette to the lake and begs her forgiveness. She says she forgives him, but nothing can change the fact he broke his vow. Siegfried then fights with Robart and kills him. The two lovers decide to die together, and they throw themselves into the lake. But an angel appears and takes him to heaven in a golden chariot.
Aaron Copeland was an American composer who wrote a ballet about cowboys called Rodeo. In it we have a hoedown, a square dance, where you can visualize the men in their cowboy hats and boots dancing with pretty girls. Lots of people, operas are the ultimate, combining music, singing and acting. However, some find operas a bit too difficult, particularly those of Wagner, which can be as much as six hours long. For me, the three key aspects of opera are arias, that's where one person just sings on their own with the orchestra, duets and choral ensembles, where the soloists, the chorus and the orchestra all play together. Let's listen to a famous aria. It's called One Fine Day and it's from the opera Madame Butterfly by Puccini. Your mum will love this aria. It's sung by Chocho San, a young Japanese girl. She falls in love with an American sailor. They marry, but Pinkerton, the sailor, has to return to America. He doesn't return for many years, but in this aria, Chicho San vows that one day he will come back to Japan. Pinkerton does eventually return to Japan, 
but in the meantime, he has married another woman. Cho Cho San is so upset, she kills herself. <laughs> If you ever go to see this opera, take plenty of handkerchiefs with you. Everybody cries their eyes out at the end of this opera. Probably the best known duet in all opera is from La Boheme, where Mimi and Rodolfo meet for the first time. In the opera Aida by Verdi, our hero, Radamiz, the commander of the Egyptian army, celebrates a great victory over the Ethiopians. music for children. Our next podcast will be on the great piano concertos. Thank you very much and goodbye.